0: Ahoy, Nathan!
1: Ahoy, Elliot. Haven't seen you all year?
0: Oh, wow, that's fantastic and hilarious. Did you get, did you remember to get Jake a Christmas present?
1: I did not, although I did actually have lunch with him yesterday, and I did not pay for his meal, out of respect for him as a person.
0: Okay, I I noticed that he was, he was really sad when, you know, I delivered him his, his morning bowl of gruel. Uh, in the shed in the forest out back uh and i wondered oh man i wonder if nathan forgot to get him a christmas present and that's clearly the clearly the cause
1: yeah i i did i did that's my bad
0: but jake is doing a great job i think
1: i guess he's doing okay
0: what are you talking about he kills it every week
1: well, he's not doing any better than he always does. <laughs> yeah, and
0: he always kills it. He's found his. Oh, he's man. found his uh, rhythm, and he just doesn't want to ruin it. <laughs> also, you can definitely tell that we're no longer in the same place because we're having that weird delay thing where we're not sure if we're one or the other is okay to talk.
1: Yeah. Once. Once again, our inability to communicate clearly is coming through kind of hurt, hurts the podcast as an the podcast experience i think somewhat i agree yeah so uh any other various new year jokes
0: what new year new me man that's what i say
1: yeah did you make any resolutions
0: no I'm, yeah, I'm perfect. Neither, I'm perfect. I don't have anything to change.
1: I don't know about that, but I, I appreciate I appreciate the self-confidence.
0: I did. In case anyone's wondering why my voice is coming through so much more clearly, I don't even know if it's coming through that much more clearly. Uh, my parents got me like a headset for Christmas, you know, a pair of headphones, and it came with a microphone, so I'm trying it out today.
1: Yeah, so we'll see how this sounds. Maybe I'll get a microphone. Maybe we'll finally start taking this a bit more seriously and <laughs> get things that you would expect uh, people who have a podcast would have.
0: Let me know when you want to start taking things a little more seriously.
1: Okay. All right, well, Elliot, I'll introduce this movie because uh, I'm the one who picked picked the film. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, Uh, I recently discovered that a mutual, not a mutual friend, a friend who is a mutual friend of other friends, not you, Elliot. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Had never seen uh, the original Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. So this past week I have seen all three, of the original Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy, which were, I think, one of the touchstones of our childhood, I would say. I think of this and like National Treasure as two of the. <laughs> we watched them a lot as kids.
0: I I did. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know what you're talking about, man. We definitely watched National Treasure a lot, but it was a while before Mom and Dad would even let us watch parts of the Caribbean because they thought it was too scary for us. Because of all the Skella
1: pirates. I don't know if it was that. I. I want to say I watched it. Whatever. We watched it when we were younger. <laughs> but anyway, so because I was watching this, I thought it would be fun if we would do uh parts of the Caribbean: The Curse of the Black Pearl, so the first one. Uh if you're not familiar with the movie, it's a 2003 Disney flick. It was nominated for, I didn't know this, so I'm assuming other people didn't know this. It was nominated for five Oscars, four of which were for technical things, so visual effects, sound editing, sound mixing, and makeup. But then Johnny Depp was nominated for Best Actor for his role in this movie, which I just think is uh, crazy. because <laughs> It just seems like a weird movie for him to get nominated for, like a Disney Flick. I mean, The Rock wasn't nominated for Jungle Cruise.
0: That's hilarious. Unfortunately, it was it was nominated in the year of the Lord of the Rings when Return of the King uh, mopped up.
1: Yeah, so they lost all the technical categories, and then Johnny Depp lost to Sean Penn from Mystic River. So,
0: I've seen Mystic River. It's pretty good.
1: Is Sean Penn good in it?
0: He is. I think he plays like, uh, like the pseudo antagonist kind of. Mm. The book it's based on is written by the same guy who wrote Gone Baby Gone.
1: Wow, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Huh. There's a little factoid for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, anyway,
0: um... <laughs> not that that has anything to do with parts of the Caribbean.
1: Yeah. So, like I said, we watched this as kids. Uh, I would, much like Sky High, I was really interested in rewatching this to see how it holds up. Do I still like it, and more especially, does Elliot still like it? Because he uh, aged much more grumpily than I did. So, uh, let's get started. Elliot, what did you think on rewatch of this this picture? Uh,
0: okay. Well, I was. I have to admit, in the first like i don't know 30 minutes uh i was i was it was not looking too good for this movie i i was like dang this is not as good as i remembered but once it started picking up i i i got a lot back more in i got more into it as it went along and by the end i was i was having a pretty good time i thought it was pretty good i don't think that i was you know it it wasn't enthralling to me or anything it didn't uh it didn't change my life or anything. It's it doesn't hold up as well as Spider Man held up, uh, of course. But yeah, I, I still I still liked it. It was a swashbuckling good time. I love the word swashbuckling.
1: Great. I'm sure it'll appear in our description for this episode.
0: I don't think it did actually. I'm gonna look oh, up what swash. I'm gonna look up what swashbuckling means.
1: You're- there's so many asides.
0: A swashbuckler is a person who engages in daring and romantic adventures with bravado or flamboyance. Yeah, that's that's this. That is
1: this. Alright, well, I guess for, for my opening thoughts, since you asked.
0: I didn't, but go ahead.
1: I had a I had a ton of fun. I liked this just as much as I did as a kid. Yeah, just like you said, it's it's just a ton of fun. It's a nice swashbuckling adventure. And I'm sure we'll get into...
0: <laughs> that is just like I said. That is, in fact, just what I said.
1: <laughs> well, you know, we can't all be original. Anywho. No, it's, it's a ton of fun. It's super good. Um, I'm really excited to talk about the stuff that works in this and what makes it such a great movie.
0: But before we get started, you wanted to talk about, because there was some controversy. Don't shake your head. This is what we're doing. There was some controversy over whether or not we would talk about the first one uh, or the second one, because there was, there was something that you really liked about the second one that you really wanted to talk about. So uh, let it all out, Nathan.
1: Yeah, I guess before we start talking about this, I just want to say I really like all three, I watched all three in the past week and I had a ton of fun. And I just wanted, I was bummed that we weren't doing two just because it makes more sense to do the first one. But uh, I think Davy Jones is a phenomenal villain. He looks fantastic for when these movies were made. Bill Nighy is incredible as him and is really very intimidating. And he's just, he's such an like such a cool great character i love every scene that he's in and i love the detail in the second one when he smokes and the smoke comes out one of his like tentacle breath things or whatever i just find that really funny and the way his tentacles all you know freak out when his heart gets stabbed in the third one it's just (laughs) If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about.
0: Great filmmaking there.
1: <laughs> He's just a fantastic character. And so I was bummed I didn't get to talk about that. But anyway, let's talk about this one. Let's start with Elliot. Let's talk about the characters, okay? So this has, you know, Will Turner, Elizabeth Swan, Commodore Norrington, Barbossa, and then, of course, uh, Johnny Depp as. Jack Sparrow. What do we what do we think of the characters? What do we think of the actors?
0: Dude, I I really can't stand Cutler Beckett in the second and third one. He's such a lame, duh, he's such a lame little dude. There's nothing intimidating about him or anything. He just he really drags those things down. Sorry, what did you want to talk about?
1: Well, I wanted to talk about this movie. All <laughs> oh, <movie>? right, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Cutler Beckett isn't in this one, which is good cuz I don't like him.
1: Okay, cool. Anyway, what do you think of the the main characters in this in this one?
0: Well, this one has Commodore Norrington who eventually like he joins forces with uh Cutler Beckett in the second and third one uh and then he dies I think or something, I don't know. I don't really care. Just don't like Cutler Beckett very
1: much. <laughs> About Beckett? <laughs>
0: I don't know, I just thought you might want to know. I thought our listening public might want to know what I think about yeah, uh, the third, Beckett.
1: Third, three minutes. <laughs> well,
0: it bears repeating. Um, no, uh, Jack Sparrow, you know, he he squares off against Cutler Beckett a few times in the second <laughs> and third one. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Peter
0: Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. Um I have to, so obviously Jack Sparrow he's like the headliner for this movie and for all of them and he's generally really well liked. I have to admit he's never really been my favorite part of these movies. Uh he's definitely fun and funny uh and Johnny Depp initially, does a pretty good job with him, Uh, you can... But, I don't know. There are times where he just goes... He's just a bit too much for me. You know, times where his affectations, his gestures, the way he talks, it just... it. Johnny Depp is always walking on the line of cartoonish, and sometimes he just falls into cartoonish. And I'm like, okay, kid, this is just, this just seems like you're trying way too hard, especially in the way that he walks. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that is, that's just awkward because it's not, it, it just looks silly. It's not very funny. Uh, it's not quirky. It just looks like he's a bit stupid. Uh, honestly, I think that my favorite character in this movie and indeed in the trilogy i'm not going to talk about four and five because i hate those movies um yeah is probably barbosa i think that in this one he's a fantastic antagonist he's really i don't know he's charming but still dangerous he's one of those really what one of those really charismatic laid-back kind of villains and it doesn't ha- it doesn't hurt I almost said it doesn't help it doesn't hurt that you've got jeffrey rush in there jeffrey rush uh, is a very talented actor this movie has two really well respected british actors in jeffrey rush and jonathan price playing fairly i mean jeffrey rush... barbosa is a serious character but the governor governor swan is a very silly character for a very serious actor but yeah, the pedigree of actors in this I think is very strong because you got Kieran Knightley, Orlando Bloom, Jeffrey Rush, and Jonathan Price. It's all very strong. And yeah, I I, I just really like Barbosa. I also really like his hat. He's got a very cool hat. Norrington is fine. I honestly it I I could not tell you why they decided to keep him in these movies because he's just all over the place in the second two. I like Will and Elizabeth separately as characters. I don't really like their relationship because it feels fairly undercooked. Like they don't really spend a whole lot of time together. They don't really seem to have, like, their connection just seems very shallow. Like, it doesn't really. Feels like they're just two hot people who like being hot together. They don't really have any kind of emotional connection, or at least they never really talk like they do. But yeah, I do like them individually, and I really like Will and Jack. I like their dynamic and their interplay uh, is really fun. And I think that this movie does side characters really well. So like uh, the two, the the odd couple pirates, the sort of short, dumpy one, and the tall, thin one with the fake eye. They're funny. I love Gibbs. Uh, he's great. And honestly, Norrington is almost a side character in this. but yeah. Uh, and the two British soldiers uh, who are both sort of short and dumpy. They're funny. I like them.
1: <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think the side characters are one of the highlights, and it's one of the things that makes these movies very uh fun i think is that they have very good side characters who add a lot of levity and humor and i guess i sort of see what you're saying about johnny depp sometimes being a bit much i don't think he ever gets a bit much for me in this trilogy and certainly not in this movie at least i think sometimes it's hard to parse out what his whole deal is uh, especially as the trilogy goes on, he seems more and more flighty. But I think in this one, he's very good as a very interesting sort of foil. I love his scenes with Will, like you said, they're very clever and well written. I love Will in this one. I don't have an issue with will and elizabeth like you said i think elizabeth kind of has nothing to do in this movie she's basically just the damsel in distress for most of it as opposed to later in the trilogy when she's actually doing things and then yeah barbosa is fantastic i love jeffrey rush i think the way he pronounces so many lines is so funny i love I am disinclined to acquiesce to your request. I think that's such a funny line, and yeah, he's just great. I like Norrington. I don't know what your deal with him is. I think he's cool <laughs> he He's British, you know he's trying to be a good person, but he's british. what a what a conflicted character, you know
0: <laughs> Wow, I apologize to all our British listeners. That was a very yeah, I'm just that was confused. a very racist thing you just said.
1: British people can be good people, too. I, I believe that.
0: What You're not making it any better, man.
1: Wow, that's funny. All right, well...
0: I think, if I could just say one more thing about Jack Sparrow, I think what you're talking about is more down to the writing than Johnny Depp's performance, because I do agree that he's a very well-written character. In this one, not really in the other two, because in this one... He's not flighty. I feel like he's unpredictable. Like you don't really know whose side he's on and if he's trying to do the right thing or not or if he's out just out for himself or if he's actually trying to help Will and stuff. So I think that that works really well to keep him fresh and interesting as a character and as a sort of anti-hero. And also I really like the scenes where he's... uh, Where he's convincing people of things. Like when he's convincing Norrington to go after the pirates at the evil Skull Island. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Or when he's... It's pronounced Muerta.
1: Okay, well you didn't even know what it was, so...
0: Okay, well at least I, I respect the Spanish language. Anyway, um i'm i I just want to apologize for my ethno nationalist brother. he's just very yeah he's he's very problematic anyway, and then yeah the there's a, the similar scene when he's convincing Barbosa to go after the, the the British fleet and wait to kill will uh I, I I just really like that
1: well, I guess since you brought up the screenplay, I would just say I think the screenplay is one of the things that makes this movie as good as it is it's funny. It's very well written. It's very intelligently written. Like I know I already said it, but the line I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request. There's a lot of usage of big words that you don't see as much in modern parlance. And I think it adds, I don't know about authenticity. I don't know why Jack Sparrow would be as eloquent as he's depicted in the, Film, if he was a pirate. But I think it makes it a very charming and enjoyable watch because it's always fun to hear what new big word they're going to use and what fancy sentence they're going to do. I just think the screenplay is really fantastic. It makes it really fun. And I think it stays consistently good. You're going to hate this through all three of this original trilogy. I think it's always a ton of fun. And all of the scenes of, yeah, people trying to convince other people of things are just so funny.
0: Big words.
1: <laughs> but yeah, what do you think of this screenplay, Elliot?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's good. Uh, I'm assuming you're talking about the dialogue rather than, like, the, you know, the narrative, the plot. Yeah. Yeah, I I really like... I like the way they talk. It's sort of... Sort of like... I don't even know faux Victorian kind of speech. It's and it's put to great effect by the actors, just at the the speed that it's delivered. I think that the the snappiness of the dialogue is a big part, or the snappiness of the way they re- they deliver their lines is a big part of why the dialogue works so well in this movie. I'm not 100% sure what you're looking for me to say here. There's not a whole lot to say besides, yeah, it's good.
1: you good things.
0: What? You're, you're cutting in and out.
1: Just keep saying good things, Elliot. Just keep building, building the movie up. I'm trying to trick you into praising it.
0: No. Now I'm going to just talk about bad things. Let's talk about Cutler Beckett from the sequels.
1: No, we're not talking about Beckett. (laughs) Okay. Well, I guess since you brought up the narrative, or you said we're talking about just the screenplay, not the narrative, I want to say I also love the screenplay in a narrative sense because I think it's got a lot of very – we said this before we started recording, but it's a very pulpy, which is to say it's very reminiscent of like pulp novels, which are very – they're not tongue-in-cheek, but they're very – Gosh, I'm trying to think of the word extra, I guess.
0: What does that mean?
1: Well, it's like, well, I'm I'm trying to find a nice way to describe what pulpy means. That it's like action that's a bit over the top, but it's not like silly. Like it's not a satire. It's not like, oh shoot, what's the name of the movie? The Naked Gun? Mm -hmm. Where the action is silly, is over the top in a silly way here the action is over to, over the top or a bit much like you know british soldiers fighting skeleton pirates is a bit of a silly sentence but the reason it works is because it's taken very seriously and so it's pulpy because it's it so it's be silly if it is a joke but instead it's taken very seriously
0: so it's like colorful ostentatious
1: Yeah, I don't think if I say ostentatious, that's going to help anyone get closer to a definition of pulpy, though.
0: Well, I don't know why you didn't just Google the definition. It's swashbuckling.
1: Yeah, but I think the narrative of the story is very swashbuckling and pulpy in a very fun way. And I think since I'm just going to keep doing this, I think that holds true for the whole trilogy. I think it's very fun. No, it doesn't. (laughs)
0: Just stop talking about the sequels. Stop bringing up Cutler Beckett, Nathan. Uh, No, I agree. Shush. Uh, Well, I guess that's just the delay. Um, No, I agree. I think... (laughs) I'm trying not to give away my recommendation for this movie. You know, it's... It's a very, it's like a, it's rec- it's a recognizable kind of story uh, because it pulls on tropes that everyone associates with our romantic and not at all accurate conception of pirates of the Age of Sail. Uh, so I actually did some reading in this because I was interested in when the image of pirates transformed from, you know, murdering, thieving rapists to a more romantic kind of almost anti-establishment freedom fighters. Uh, And apparently a lot of it is down to like, let's say 19th, 18th century pirate novels. The one that the article I read, the ones that the article I read cited were, there was one called, like, A History of Pirates, or An Account of Pirates, spelled P-Y-R-A-T-E-S, uh, which was written in the 17th century in London, which was not super accurate, but established a lot of the images that we associate with pirates. Uh, so, like, the hats and the flags and the stuff, which is not to say that pirates didn't fly under colorful flags. It's just, these are the more, these these are the one. this is the stuff that, like, really cemented Blackbeard as, like, the stereotypical pirate. And then Treasure Island was the other one. Uh, sure, and the cool. reason the reason I'm going on this extended uh, disquisition on the evolution of the image of pirates is because, A, I think this kind of stuff is really interesting, and B, because that's the kind of thing that we associate with pirates, like the island shaped like a skull, the skeleton, the undead pirates, the treasure hoard that kind of thing. All of this is very classic sort of romantic piratey stuff. And the movie just does it really well. It doesn't feel cliche or played out uh, because a, I honestly, I don't think that movies, I don't think there are a lot of pirate movies like this, uh, if any. And B, because like you said, just like with Spider-Man, it takes itself seriously. It's, uh, but not so seriously, not so seriously that it can't have fun. But also not so tongue in cheek that it feels like there are no stakes or like uh, you don't have to really care about anything that's happening. And so, yeah, I, I agree. I think that the the use of archetypes is really well done here, like the like the the pirate with the big hat um, and the clothes and the flags and. And the skull-shaped island—it's all just really well done.
1: Yeah, and I think the technical elements really help it too, like the costume design and yes, the design absolutely. Of, like you said, the set design of Isla de Muerta is very like when you see it, you're like, oh, surely I've seen this somewhere else. But it's that's just because it's built on like classic archetypes, like oh, you know, Treasure Island and stuff like that—the cave of filled with cursed aztec treasure is a silly idea but it's building on kind of the zeitgeist around uh the cultural understanding of pirates so I, i'm glad you mentioned it, go ahead well I, just, I was just gonna say i think the tech the technical elements are also significantly better than more modern disney films because they're significantly less washed out i guess i would say that it's not as clean as like i saw jungle cruise last year and that one is building on similar sort of ideas and it was a fun movie but it wasn't as good as this because it's much cleaner it just doesn't and this one it's really grimy like everyone looks awful every (laughs) everyone's unattractive everyone's covered in like pig filth and stuff and and I think it does a lot. And so, yeah, I really like this. As well as when uh, we were watching it, I commented that in almost every scene, Will and Elizabeth look like the cover of one of those horrible romance novels you would find in like half price books or something where the guy's shirt is open to like his, you know, his abs or something ridiculous like that. And he's wearing a huge hat that I just, it's stuff like that that makes me, me have
0: a lot of fun with this movie. <laughs> wow! Well, I didn't realize you were into that kind of thing.
1: I, I don't read the books. I just think it's funny that that's. Oh, a book. sure. Okay.
0: All right. Whatever. Whatever, man. Uh, no, you, you're right. I, I'm glad that you mentioned the the set design because I think that these are really good, well constructed sets. Uh, honestly, the cave on the island, the. the Rocks looked a little bit styrofoamy, but you know, aside from that, I thought that they were all really lush. And yeah, they definitely had that lived-in quality that you associate with sets on Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know, to, and it goes a long way to establishing uh, a universe that has a lot of history with it. That you, it just feels more believable that way. And it is very different to the sets, unlike. Uh, the Star Wars shows that I've watched, like Mandalorian and Boba Fett, the sets on those are just so awful. They just look so weird and fake and set like, like they just look like they're made, like they're built on a green screen studio. But these sets, which they, which they are, these sets look so much better, and the costume design. Uh, there's so many superfluous uh, buttons and embroideries and everyone's just overdressed and yeah I, uh, at the very end Will is basically doing a Zorro cosplay which is hilarious yeah um, frankly I think we have gone way too long without talking about what is bar none the best part of this movie the music
1: Yeah, I knew you were going to say that yeah It's really fantastic.
0: Nathan, would you say listen to it casually?
1: I can't say I've ever listened to it casually, but I think I am going to. Oh, rats. The music is really good, and you'll hate this. I think the music gets better as it goes on because I just saw the third one last night, and I thought the score for that one was easily the best of the three. But even in this one, the score is really fantastic, and that theme is phenomenal.
0: That theme is just that. That is that is the stuff of legends, man. It is a great theme, uh, and everyone has really good themes. It's very John Williamsy in that there's everyone has uh, their own sort of motif. Will and Elizabeth have theirs. Jack Sparrow obviously has one. The Skella Pirates have one. The Don 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 sort of like the God of War thing. Actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, it's really good. I think it's funny. So I watched this with Ryan, uh, who's our younger brother, uh, and he mentioned that he was really surprised in the credits that Hans Zimmer didn't do the music for this one. And I think it is funny that we associate Hans Zimmer with this score, even though a guy named Klaus, like Bennett, I think he did the music for uh, for this first one, and he made that that iconic score, <laughs> which is. Yeah, which is too bad for, for Mr. Mister Klaus because he, he really killed it.
1: Wow. I also did not realize... I didn't watch the credits for the first one. I just assumed it was Hans Zimmer through all three. Wow. That's, that's interesting.
0: You know, it's funny. So sometimes I listen to Iowa Public Radio in the car, which is the classical music station. And on Saturdays, they will do film scores, uh, and so they've done Jaws in the past, and one time when I was listening, they did uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean theme, and the woman who introduced it, you know, she had the classic sort of very calm, quiet, reserved voice to introduce the piece like this, Uh and she, she was talking about the music, and then she just started absolutely roasting the movie. She was like, uh, the movie itself did not really live up to the quality of the music. It never, never really got there. Uh, she, she was going to town on it. Uh, I just thought it was really funny. Uh, that's just an amusing anecdote about the, this music. But yeah, it's, it's fantastic, and I do listen to it casually from time to time.
1: All right, Elliot, any uh, closing thoughts before we go to um, a score for this one?
0: Well, I think we haven't talked about the action, uh, which I think is really well done. I think the choreography of the sword fights is really good. It's not the kind of, I don't know, stupid, overdone sword fights of, like, the prequel Star Wars movies where they're just flipping around like ninjas and stuff. It doesn't have the headache inducing editing of like every modern action movie where there's random shots of like, I don't know, somebody's shoulder to try to make it seem like exciting things are happening. But honestly, I think that my favorite action set piece from this was absolutely, uh, the, ship battle between the Black Pearl and the Interceptor. I thought that that was a perfect example of how to set up and then pay off on a really good action scene because they had the initial bit of them just trying to get away by throwing stuff off of the ship. And then they did the maneuver where they dropped the anchor so they would loop right back around and be able to give a broadside I believe is the term uh, to the the ships could start shooting at each other with cannons and then they had and then they all boarded so there were it, the action was more melee focused I just thought it was a really good example of how to do an action scene that's sort of that's always building that's always introducing new pieces and new elements you know so it starts with the chase and then the cannon fire and then the boarding. I just thought it was really good. I I was in that scene. I was absolutely enthralled, especially when I think the cinematography was just going just going insane in that. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of the shot where they shoot the the. I think it's called a mast breaker because I think this is a real thing from ship combat, ship to ship combat, where they had two cannonballs uh, linked by a chain that. Broke the mask and knocked it down. I, I just love the shot of Barbosa walking calmly so the mask doesn't land on him. And then you've just got the shot of the sail kind of fluttering as it lands on the other ship, and Barbosa just sort of watching everything happen. Ah, oh, it was really cool. I was I was giggling during that scene. I was I was really enjoying it. But yeah, do you have any thoughts about the action?
1: Yeah, I I also love the action. I. Personally, I think my favorite action sort of set piece is early in the film when Will and Jack fight in the blacksmith shop. I think that set piece, that fight scene is really fantastic. It's a small space, but they do such a great job of keeping it varied that they're doing different things. And at the beginning, Jack's kind of doing like a, I don't really think you know how to sword fight sort of routine. And then Will, you know, grabbing swords out of everywhere is kind of funny. And I think the set pieces throughout the trilogy, I'm going to keep doing this because I know it annoys you. I think the set pieces throughout the trilogy maintain that level of quality. I think the Kraken attack in the second at the very end is a really fantastic set piece because it builds on right? The previous Kraken attacks you had seen in the movie, as well as it's got a nice back and forth of like them doing something. And then the Kraken, right. Adjusting for that. And then them doing a thing. And then that there's a really cool back and forth. And I also just think the Kraken is a dope creature. So I really love that final climactic fight in the second one. Cause I think it's really good.
0: There's a good ebb and flow to the action in this movie, not the other ones. Um, It sort of reminds me, honestly, it reminds me in more than a few ways of the action in Lord of the Rings uh, in the way that it's set up. Uh, Especially, one of the things that I absolutely love about Lord of the Rings fight scenes is the way the music will contribute to the setup, like the build-up to what's going to happen, and then it'll cut out right as the two opposing sides actually meet so the score is replaced by the sound of, you know, clashing iron and people yelling and stuff. I think it's really cool. And I think they do something very similar in this. I think in like the first fight the first bit of the fight between the Skella Pirates and the British on the whatever it's called, the big ship. Uh they do something similar. What?
1: I wanna say it's the endurance.
0: The endurance, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, I just think that's a really good filmmaking trick of making sure that the viewer is immersed, immersed in the fight. And yeah, it's just really, it's just, I think that the Skella Pirates are really cool villains, you know, they're really cool henchmen. Uh, they look very, They their design is really cool, the CGI is a bit dodgy at times, to be honest, but most of the time it's it's pretty decent and yeah, it's I'm not hundred percent sure how it works. I'm not sure why, cause the, the three of them get blown up in the final fight. I'm not sure what then happens to them because they can't die. So I guess they're just all different pieces still alive. Sort of like the arm that the governor, uh, has a yeah. little fight with in the cabin. I don't know. The mechanics are weird, but yeah, the action is really good. Um, very well done
1: yeah and I guess uh my final closing thought is I think this movie does a really fantastic job of having reoccurring lines and jokes and visual motifs that make it really easy for people to follow a story that could become I think very complicated because especially as the trilogy goes on you end up introducing a ton of more characters and motivations and it's sometimes i think could be hard to keep them all together and separate separate not together but i think this movie has a very good job of doing of simple ideas that it's easy for the audience to grasp like jack and his one bullet that he wants to use for barbosa it's a simple idea it's very like it's not iconic but it's easy to like grasp it in your mind and then stuff like jack saying captain jack sparrow correcting that and you'll always remember this as the day that you almost caught captain jack sparrow there's a lot of really fun reoccurring things in this movie and then throughout the trilogy that i think just make it very easy for (laughs) he rolled his eyes is why i'm laughing But it makes it very easy for anyone who's watching it. I mean, even as a kid, I was able to watch all three of these and grasp what was going on and be like, have a ton of fun with it. So I think it's a really cool thing that not enough movies do that is super simple, but not everyone does it. So they get more praise than maybe they deserve for doing it.
0: First of all, if you compliment the sequels one more time, I'm going to be very upset. Second of all, I think that it is Jack's thing with the bullet being reserved for Barbosa is actually an iconic, it's not iconic in this movie, but it is an instantly recognizable dynamic. The this person has a vendetta against an old rival, and they have a very specific thing that they want to do to them, uh, that thing being linked to something that was done to them. You know, a uh, sort of revenge dynamic, and it's a it's a very effective way of creating and then reinforcing an ongoing rivalry between two characters. And I think you're right; uh, it's nothing groundbreaking here, but it's done. It's a the fact that it's just used at all uh, <laughs> is worth noting, and b it is done it is put to very good effect here. Yeah. I guess the last thing I'll comment on this movie is that. I didn't think he was as funny as I used to find it. I used to find this movie hilarious. But I did, there were still more than a few jokes that made me legitimately laugh out loud. Uh, I think my favorite comedic bit was when Jack shows up at the ceremony when they're trying to kill Will and he's just pushing his way through and Barbosa, oh my gosh, Jeffrey Rush just absolutely sells it. He's like, that's not possible. And Jack's like, not probable. Then yeah, I I I will always love when he's like, you don't want to be doing that. And he's like, shut up, you're next. And then Jack says, your funeral. And Barbosa like, rolls his eyes because he knows that Jack is not, is probably not bluffing that he like actually has something up his sleeve. (laughs) So it's like, all right, I guess I'll do this. And yeah, I just think that scene is really, really funny.
1: I agree. I don't know if I necessarily find it as funny as I always did, but I definitely think I have like a smile on my face through almost the entire film. And I love the visual of Jack (laughs) coming into port on a, Almost completely submerged ship, walking on the dock, and then the guy getting angry. You have to pay to dock that. Yeah, and it's just the top of the mass. It's fun. All right, well, let's get into ratings. Let's um, let's go. Elliot, you can go first. What uh, what score do you give this?
0: Um, honestly. When we started this episode, I was at a B. But having talked about the stuff that I do like about it more, I think I've I've talked myself up to a B plus. I don't think mm-hmm. that it's revolutionary. There are things that annoy me about the character of Jack Sparrow. Part of it, honestly, is that I really dislike pretty much every other movie in this entire franchise. And so it's hard for me not to notice, like, omens of what's to come. But... Part of it is because there are just some things that uh, that I that I do find annoying about it, and part of it is just that old thing. Like there's, it's not necessarily that there's anything really holding the movie back. It's just that there's nothing really special enough to push it uh, that little bit further into the A range. But yeah, it's a really, it was a fun movie. I've talked myself into liking it even more than I thought I did. It's just a good, it's swashbuckling. Uh, it's, a Jack Sparrow is going on a very romantic, uh, adventure in a, a very outrageous kind of way.
1: All right. Well, I find it funny that you ended up at a B plus cause I think that's probably relatively around where I'm going to give it. I'm giving it like an 8.3, 8.4. So I think we're maybe in relatively the same place. I'd give almost the same score to the other two, though. So I would imagine we're not in the same place there.
0: Can we at least agree that four and five are absolutely appalling?
1: Yes. The fourth and fifth don't have anything of what makes the first three so good. It's just, it, it, yeah. I, although I guess I, I've i only seen the fifth one twice, and I haven't watched the fourth one since I saw it in theaters. So. I, and a person I know claimed that on rewatch, Stranger Tides was better than she remembered, but I don't trust her enough to uh, go with that recommendation. But anyway, uh, yeah, for everything we said, this movie is super good, super fun, swashbuckling, very pulpy. It is very reminiscent of Sp- the original Spider-Man, that it's very sincere in its iconography is that the word
0: i don't know i don't know words
1: (laughs) that it's uh it's very well done it takes a lot of simple ideas and goes the whole way with it i also would say since i didn't say this during the actual review for a movie that's two and a half hours long i do not remember it being that long and every time i watch it i don't ever feel like the movie is dragging or that it reaches a point where I'm like, Oh gosh, this takes forever. So for movies that are longer than I would like blockbusters to be, they don't have any issues that I usually have with two and a half hour long blockbusters. So now let's do some recommendation. So Elliot, you go first. Uh, You've got a great recommendation. You actually had it before the episode for the first time ever.
0: That is very rare. Uh, and honestly, this recommendation feels kind of superfluous i i I usually try to find a recommendation that maybe people haven't necessarily seen already just because I feel like that's kind of the point of the recommendation section is to is to point people to other movies that they may not have seen but that they would actually like but this is one of the most like I- most iconic movies of all time. Uh, in fact, Indiana Jones, I think, I remember you saying Nathan, there was a big, like global survey of the most recognizable characters in movies, and Indiana Jones was the top one. He was the most recognizable character to the most people. Which makes sense, because everything about his design is iconic, from the hat to the whip to the, you know, the satchel thing. Uh, So I'm going with Raiders of the Lost Ark, just because that's the first one. I actually think that Last Crusade is the better movie. Although, don't get me wrong, both are absolutely fantastic. I love Indiana Jones to absolute death. Uh, the reason I'm recommending it for Pirates of the Caribbean is because it is absolutely that pulpy kind of high adventure. It's very swashbuckling, uh, story with easily hateable villains. I mean, there's not many villains more hateable than Nazis (laughs) and really well done action. The stunt work in this movie is fantastic. If you've never seen it, or for the people who have seen it, like, I'm thinking specifically of the bit where, in the convoy, where Indiana Jones gets knocked off the front of the truck, and then he's shimmying his way along the undercarriage as it's driving to try to get back onto it. Uh, You know, it's all done practically. Somebody probably could have died, uh, which is unfortunate, but it made for a great scene. And yeah, it's just one of those really fun, high-adventure, swashbuckling movies. And uh, I love indiana jones with all my heart and soul nice. and if you awesome. haven't seen it if you haven't seen it absolutely watch raiders of the lost ark and then get yourself i mean get yourself watching last crusade because man it is it is everything raiders of the lost ark is except better
1: yeah it's raiders of the lost ark with sean connery who just makes everything yeah. so much better
0: by being around. this is intolerable That's my Sean Connery impression.
1: That was pretty good. All right. Uh, My recommendation is a bit off the beaten path. Elliot uh, made fun of me for it, which was mean. But I see a lot of shared DNA between these movies and one of my favorite directors. So if you've seen our uh, episode where we talk about our favorite directors, you might know who I'm talking about but Billy Wilder had a way of writing movies that were very similar to this in terms of script, that it's very well-written. It's just fun to listen to the characters talk as well as he very much bought into the same idea of you need simple, understandable visual motifs that help people to understand characters and understand the plot. And so Because of how similar I find his movies to these movies in terms of a screenplay sort of way, I'm going to recommend my favorite Billy Wilder, uh, The Apartment, which is just an incredible movie. I don't want to say anything about the plot because I think it's best if you just go in blind, but it's incredibly well-written, super funny. It's basically everything good about like classic Hollywood films in one film the acting is amazing yeah i don't know what else to say it's super good i think everyone should see it it's super fun and i think like these movies it operates on a very easy to understand simple plot that is just done so well so it doesn't necessarily have that pulpy and obviously because it's called the apartment it has nothing to do with pirates but i think if you enjoyed this sort of movie and what this movie is doing on a technical sort of screenplay aspect. I think you would really enjoy the apartment. I also think anyone would enjoy the apartment because it's just fantastic. So that's my recommendation.
0: (coughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about with that one, man.
1: I explained it very clearly.
0: Yeah. I heard you explain it. It did not help. I don't know. The apartment is, I think the apartment is a really good movie. It's nothing like Pirates of the Caribbean. Also, uh, the that thing I was talking about earlier—it was called A General History of the Pirates—and it was published in the 18th century.
1: Mm, okay. Well,
0: so it's just. Goodness, we got that cleared up. Well, it just bothered me that I might be giving people, you know, inaccurate dates or something. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, uh, good deal. Hopefully, uh, this episode does end up cu- being released to the public.
0: <laughs> yeah, this could be this could be one of the lost episodes. The
1: lost episodes.
0: <laughs> they'll they'll try to they'll try to buy the computer that it's stored on and sell it for a million dollars after we really hit it big. But even if nobody ever hears it, even if nobody ever hears it, I think it's still important to say that life is hard and full of disappointments.
1: Yeah, and just, we've had a lot of technical problems in this episode, so there was a lot of chopping and cutting out, and uh, it's unclear if someone's audio is going to be uploaded to the thing, so hopefully this episode comes out, because I had a ton of fun recording it. I don't agree that life is hard and full of disappointments. Really? Um, well, I, I, eh, I mean, it's hard, but I don't see why that should be the thing we're focusing on. Anyway, I think this movie shows it. it's a ton of fun, you know, for, <laughs> for at least two 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 and a half hours. Life will not be hard and full of disappointments. Life will be fun and full of joy.
0: <laughs> and then the reminder, once the credits roll, the crushing resignation, the All disappointment. Right. It's awful. All right, well... Isn't life terrible, Uh, folks?
1: No. Okay. Enough of this. Probably the episode here.